0: Hey no humans, what's a good work? Chris Funder here with Pretty is Alex for a cover edition of Wrestling All Style. This time, talking Fallout Down Under for WWF Unforgiven 1999. Alex, you got to choose this month. Uh, why did you choose this?
1: Um, I had a VHS tape of this back in the day, and I used to watch this all the time for some reason. I had like a VHS tape of Unforgiven 99 and No Mercy 99 that I used to just put on rotation as a kid. And I thought the other day, oh, I haven't watched, like, one of those two pay-per-views in a long time. So how about we review that? Review one of them, at least.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um. I also figured this is, like, kind of the peak of your fandom as well. Yeah, pretty pretty much as a kid, that'd be right. Yeah, yeah, like... This has all your faves on it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it certainly does. Um, Wow. So should we get sort of straight into it?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Uh, So it is from the 26th of September, 1999, coming to you from the Charlotte Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the USA. Commentary is by Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Wow, the crowd certainly is different going back and watching these shows to, uh, <laughs> well, a couple of years ago now.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, uh, a little bit different from the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah,
0: I still don't get that thing. But I mean, to a couple of years ago, like everyone's over to now where it's like Brian's over, Roman's somewhat over, The Fiend, I guess, and Drew. Are you sort of big four male? wrestlers and everyone else is sort of meh.
1: Yeah, um also, like, think back to the Attitude Era and, like think back to what we're dealing with now about part-timers showing up that's, like, non-existent here that's, like, a foreign concept at this point in 1999, part-timers turning up
0: um for the men's division, yes, I'd say well not even for the women's division now that I think about it, because even though they had been retired, they were a focus for a couple of years there.
1: Well oh May and Moolah, yeah. Like yeah. like they were consistently on like every T V show basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um I think that speaks more to WWE's lack of um decision going forward. In building multiple stars and instead focusing on, at the time, Cena and sort of lacking into someone like Edge and Batista and
1: Punk? Well, here's the thing like, this pay per view was main evented by a six pack challenge for the WWF title. If current day Vince McMahon was booking this, he'd be like, oh. Yeah, we got all these guys on our roster that we could put the title on. Uh, oh, Ultimate Warrior is a free agent. We'll bring him back and put the title on him. That's what current day Vince McMahon would do with this card. I keep telling you, he's 74 and he's dead. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, just like things like the Austin <sighs> era wouldn't even happen if current day Vince was booking it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you've got to look at, um, who
0: is number two in charge sort of is, uh, creatively as well. Mike Tyson would have won
1: the title at WrestleMania 14.
0: Nothing wrong with that. <laughs>
1: it'd be, it'd be good if, um, nah, I don't know if it would be good at all. <laughs> oh man.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of hard to think of, um, sort of four key people who are over to the same degree and then two who are sort of the next level because in this advertised six-man, I don't think there was any chance of um poor old Bulldog getting the world title out of that.
1: Yeah, well, that wasn't meant to be him. Oh. So, that was... so that was meant to be... Um... The Undertaker... Um. Old old Big Mark Calloway was meant to come in there and be the sixth person, so it was meant to be like a completely star-studded main event. But poor old Mark, he got injured, and we wouldn't see him until, I think it's Judgment Day the next year, where he comes back and he is the American badass.
0: Ooh, Wrong decision.
1: Oh... I am very, very much a pro uh, Ministry Undertaker sort of guy. I love Ministry Taker, so I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, this was like during the time period that The Undertaker was teaming up with the big show and they were called the Unholy Alliance. Yes. And Undertaker cut one of the worst promos in the history of professional wrestling on Raw one week where he talked about (laughs) him and the Big Show jumping on a couple of of motorbikes. He had Paul Bearer on his sidecar, and they just dropped off in the desert, left Big Show alone in the desert for a few days, and he came back, and you just see Big Show walking out of the desert, buck naked, except with a snakeskin tire because he killed a snake. With his bare hands and his carrying his motorbike over his shoulders, yeah, just and then Chris Jericho interrupted it, and apparently he got like legit backstage heat for some of the comments he said, <laughs> even though they were all true because the promo did suck.
0: <laughs> oh man, I do remember talking to you about that one stage. But I suppose uh, enough dilly dallying. We should get into the show itself. Starts off with. Val Venus versus Steve Blackman. This stemming from Val Venus taking Steve Blackman's uh weapons bag.
1: Yeah, normally with these shows, like I try to go back and watch like the Go Home show and then the show after the pay-per-view to get a good context of everything. For this one, I did not need to do that because I remembered every storyline so vividly just because <laughs> of how much I loved this era. Uh, even though a lot of this stuff ages poorly because Valvinus had stolen Steve Blackman's bag and presumably replaced all of his weapons with sex toys.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of um uh, the uh commentary in your windows you sort of pick up on when you're a nine-year-old kid watching
1: this. No, no, like like, watching this back, I was like, oh, yeah, sex toys. Of course that's what it was. But I never realised it as a kid.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Um, What do you think of this uh, sort
0: of six-minute opening match?
1: Uh, two really solid competitors. Uh Val Venus is so underrated in the ring. Steve Blackman is... Like, I hold in the highest regard as, like, the one of the unsung heroes of the mid-card in the WWF from, like, 97 to 99. Um, I thought they had a fairly solid match, but it, it's not about the matches in the Attitude Era, is it?
0: No, no, but they certainly won the crowd
1: over. Oh, man. Like... Every single person on this card was just super over. Like, I don't think there's anyone today that is as over as D'Lo Brown was in 1999. (laughs) No, that's sad. (laughs) It is, it is. But Um, like, yeah,
0: everyone. The closing shot here of Blackman with the uh, kendo stick over the head, unprotected. Oof. Yeah. Um, is Belvinus still alive?
1: Yes, he's still kicking. He's been cancelled because he was a pro-Trump guy. <laughs> oh, joined... that's right.
0: Him and RVD swapped wrestling gimmicks in real life, where RVD became a ladies' man and he became a uh, a uh...
1: stoner. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to say he partakes in edibles, but sure.
1: Yes, yes. I think he partakes in a lot more than just that. Um, Some of the stuff I've seen him tweet about, now he's deleted his Twitter because the wrong person is president. (laughs) In his words. In his words, yeah. Um, Um, What
0: was up with the post-match here where he goes to, like, have words with the lady um, doctor and then one of the security guards throws him out of the ring?
1: Yeah, so I've heard this talked about on the um, Bruce Pritchard podcast quite a bit, actually. That's uh, his name. It was like something Dodson was that security guard's name. And I remember him vividly just sort of being in the background as a kid because he was always just this gigantic jacked-up security guard with his backwards leather paddy cap on. So he always kind of stood out. Vince McMahon was infatuated with this man, as you would imagine, <laughs> and Vince look was. At that wave. Yeah, look at the size of that, um, and he was just really into the idea of getting this guy to be a wrestler. This guy did not want to wrestle, but Vince kept putting booking him in angles anyway.
0: <laughs> oh man, um. On first watching of this, I thought this might have been um Sable as the Lady Doctor and Mark Morrow as the um security guard. I thought, oh, maybe they're saying something up there for Blackman.
1: Um Sable and Marrow are both long gone at this point. Um So the Lady Doctor was she would later debut as a character called miss baby or baby barbara bush was a gimmick name
0: oh, uh, gosh she, i remember that
1: she had a cup of coffee um i remember re- really uh taking notice of her at the royal rumble 2000 when they had that bikini competition um <laughs> with the may young bit <laughs> um, yeah but, yeah, she had a bit of a... She had, like, a small cup of coffee in the WWF. Uh, she would marry Hardcore Holly at one point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, good old Bob. Good for him. I don't think they're still together, but, yeah.
0: How is he the one who's called Hardcore and crashes the one who had the Hardcore title the longest? Yeah, and yeah. Hardcore's the one who had a car gimmick and he's not called Crash.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> You've just blown my mind. <laughs>
0: oh, man. Um, next was a European Championship match of Mark Henry as Sexual Chocolate, the champion, taking on his former teammate,
1: D'Lo Brown. The hype video here. <laughs> Just, like, D'Lo Brown just, like, you're so fat, Mark, come on, we got to get you healthy, and he's, like, training Mark Henry, and he's, like, giving, like, Mark Henry dinner, and it's, like, just plain, no-seasoning chicken breast, and he's just, like, can I have a a little bit of sauce? Sauce? You can't have sauce! (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Like, you get a European title match here and that gets an extensive hype video package. So
0: was the, the last time the US Championship got a hype package on a B-Pay-Per-View?
1: Like a decent hype video. I, I can't think of like any time within the past couple of years where a lower card for got a hype video. It's usually just, like, usually just your title matches.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I thought this was a really, really good match. Um,
1: Halo that... Brown. So good.
0: Yeah. So underrated.
1: Yeah, just criminally underrated. Like, this is a dude that, like, originally the plan, according to Pritchard, was... D'Lo Brown was going to be the guy that was going to lead the nation of domination after Farouk, but the rock just like out of nowhere, just took off.
0: Damn you Rocky, my
1: <laughs> So in my mind, Dwayne Johnson stole D'Lo Brown's whole career. And we would be talking about D'Lo Brown today as like a massive Hollywood celebrity like the rock. The
0: Two fairies starring D'Lo Brown
1: I'm just thinking of like, yeah, Fast and Furious 23 or whatever we're up to With D'Lo Brown Or like The Rock's new sitcom that's coming out, Young Rock Except it's Young (laughs) D'Lo Give it to me (laughs) (laughs) Young (laughs) D'Lo You're looking um, at the real deal now. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> good match. And
0: Dela gets to win here, becoming new European champion. Wonder um, where this is heading in the future.
1: Yeah, this is heading towards Eurocontinental, isn't it? Oh, I oh, think he, so. I think he already had his Eurocontinental reign because, like, Yeah, we're about a month away from China winning the Intercontinental title, which eventually goes to Jericho and then He Who Shall Not Be Named and all that sort of stuff. So we're just past the Eurocontinental title reign. Um, I did not recall a time where the European title had a green strap.
0: Oh, you don't remember this?
1: No, I remember it having a black strap. I forgot it had a green strap.
0: Yeah, because it points. The um, the attitude era world title had a blue strap.
1: Yeah, the um, Intercontinental title had like a purpley bluish strap at one point. I remember that.
0: Had the gold when Gold dust had it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: let's see what else. And yeah, the Euro had a green title at one point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember off the
0: top of my head any of them other than being black.
1: No, no, I think it was just like green and black. I, like, I, as soon as I saw this, I remembered it, but I completely forgot all about it until I saw it. Oh. But yeah, yeah. It just completely left the space of my mind. But yeah, this was so cool. Like, d so over. Like, that lowdown is, like, one of the best finishes of the Attitude Era. Don't at me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, following that, we have the WWF Intercontinental Championship match of Jeff Jarrett with Miss Kitty, who cut a promo backstage before the match, saying Deborah needs to stay out of Jeff's business, versus China, who enters to the Triple H theme.
1: Yeah, gosh. I forgot about the fact that at this point in time, Triple H is like the most despicable heel, but he's still aligned with China, who was a baby face.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of in this weird period, late 99, DX is sort of broken up, and then there's that weird period where the outlaws are fighting over who has control of DX, and, and Kane's a part of DX, but he's not...
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, oh, we're so close to that beautiful Kane period, we're so close to it here,
0: yeah. um,
1: I think by the next month Kane and x Park are teaming on At No Mercy from my memory, because I think on one of those VHS tapes I had, like, it had, like, this crazy Fatal 4-Way tag match with Kane and x Park, the Acolytes, Edge and Christian and the Hardys, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, China and Jeff Jarrett. This is probably the point where we should mention that the referees had gone on strike.
0: Yeah, so I didn't pick up on this initially, but I picked up on it during this match.
1: Yeah, because it, it plays a big role into this match where um you get various scab referees throughout the night. So you get... um. You get you get Harvey Whippleman dr Tom Pritchard the ah oh, and the Brooklyn brawler as your referees throughout the night, and then there was one like I think Jimmy Corderas like had one match towards the end, um yeah, and then we get a whole heap of tomfoolery with the referees here the oh what was the finish here
0: so uh towards the end. Uh, Jeff goes to put China in like a um, uh, springboard into the turnbuckle, but Whippleman's standing in that corner, so he gets bumped down. That's Jared it. calls for the guitar, but as he does, um, Muller and Mae Young run in the ring. <laughs> they body slant, uh, what is it? Um, they like sort of slam Jared onto the mat. Jared gets back up. They go to clothesline him, but he clotheslines both of them, kicks them out of the ring. Um, then Miss Kitty goes to hand the guitar, but she gets knocked down. Deborah runs in with the guitar as Jared has China in the figure four and the ref's still down. And she smashes the guitar over Jared. So now Jared's down, the guitar's laying in the ring. China wakes up, rolls up Jared, wakes up the ref, and counts Jared for the free. And China's the intercontinental champion. But wait, here's scab ref, Dr. Tom Pritchard, who froze to a video replay and declares China's not the champ by DQ. So even though technically she had pinned Jared because somebody interfered and guitar-shotted Jared, that means he wins by DQ and retains the belt.
1: That was a lot of information you just had to spill. and That was the last
0: two minutes of the match. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and believe it or not, folks, guess who was booking their last ever WWF pay-per-view for this show?
0: Eric Bischoff's good friend? Bro! <laughs> yeah, Russo. Yeah, it's Russo cock motherfuckers!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a good personal friend of uh, one James E. Cornette, apparently.
1: Yes, yes. Um yeah. God damn uh, <laughs> Um Yeah, so this was very Russo.
0: I love Oh, this is the match. This is the Jeff Jarrett match. I cannot wrestle now without more money.
1: <laughs> so so no that it's actually next month is the month um yeah no mercy is where he holds him up for money and he drops the belt to china and then we never see jeff jarrett in the wwf in a match again until like two years ago at the rumble at the rumble against elias going from china to elias yeah
0: (laughs) um but isn't no mercy his last match yeah yeah, that's what I mean. So this is his last match. He's booked to keep the title, and then he goes, my contract's up. I need more money.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Legit, yeah. his contract's up because Russo booked his friend to keep the title. So then he goes to Vince, I need more money. And with that money he gets from Vince, he uses it to fund TNA Wrestling.
1: TNA, cross the line. Um, Not to be yeah. confused with uh, GFW Gold. Oh my god, global force gold Jeez Um, Yeah, we could bang on about tangents involving this match for a while Um, You know what it leads to though The good housekeeping match
0: Yeah, I found commentary on this really weird Like at points, King's actually sticking up for China
1: yeah, so this was like, like Jeff Jarrett was doing this whole misogynist I'm better than women gimmick. And this was the one time that Jerry Lawler wouldn't side with the heel because Jerry Lawler loves women. Aha! Uh-huh, puppies! Aha! Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's the one time Jerry sided with the baby faces, is when Jeff Jarrett was picking on women.
0: Oh, okay then. Well, that makes a bit, bit of a weird, because <laughs> he's supposed to be the heel and answer.
1: Yeah, it it kind of makes sense for Jerry's character, but yeah, you kind of really needed a heel voice on this to sort of be, to sort of try to justify Jeff Jarrett's despicable actions.
0: Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good. Uh, sort of match uh, going into the finish, and it was just shenanigans.
1: Yeah, this is peak China, by the way. Like, yeah. like so over. Like my comment about no one in WWE today being as over as D'Lo Brown was in nineteen ninety nine. No one in WWE today could even even. Could even dream about being as over as China in nineteen ninety nine like just insanity
0: yeah that's that's the one thing I miss about wrestling is how big these crowds were.
1: yeah, and like I just miss like strong stories on the undercard,
0: yeah, it's sad, yeah. From there, we continue on as we go into another match because there's lots of matches to get through. A tag team match of the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, taking on the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon.
1: Um, this is straight out of Fruity's Ultimate Game Shows, WCW. Um, a match I could have had until I drew a retirement card. Um, you need to put in an unretirement card. Oh, if I did did that, that seems fishy. But since you suggested it.
0: (laughs) Like like a um, comeback card.
1: Because, like, look at um,
0: Edge and Christian and that. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I might just have to sit in that retirement tub for, I don't know, a year or something.
1: All right. Don't have to say it twice to convince me. Um But yeah, this match is, it's very interesting that this match came up, because I forgot this match was on the card. Um, I recently watched WWE Untold, the story of the APA. They got an untold story? Yeah, they had a documentary, which is so good. Like, definitely recommend you checking it out, Chris, because it's just that time period, the... That we love so fondly. Um, They talk about this match in particular because not too long before this match is where the public enemy showed up in the WWF. And just as they're going out to have their match against the Acolytes, one of the public enemy says to Bradshaw or Farouk, I can't remember, oh, that table spot you want us to take? No, we ain't going to take that. So it resulted in a match where basically the acolytes potatoed the crap and legitimately beat the crap out of the public enemy to the point the public enemy got fired. Yeah, and that then doesn't surprise me with uh, Bradshaw. No, no. And then not too long after that, the Dudley Boys jumped ship to the WWF. So the Dudley Boys come over and they immediately get put with the Acolytes and they start thinking oh crap we're screwed here they're going to beat us up and get us fired but this match like apparently Bradshaw started off this match like genuinely potatoing the crap out of the Dudley boys and the Dudley boys started like firing straight back at him. And then Bradshaw, like, respected that, and then they kept their jobs because of it. (laughs) Weird. Very weird. No more going to the land of bounce
0: checks for them.
1: No, no. So, thankfully, the Dudley boys didn't suffer the same fate as the public enemy. Imagine, uh, Imagine the year 2000 without the Dudley boys.
0: It's Edge and Christian versus the Hardys
1: versus Public Enemy? Like, they're already gone, so you just got to think, it's Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus Midian and Viscera. I'd pay to see that. I'd half be keen to see Viscera in the TLC matches. (laughs) Was,
0: okay, to get a bit morbid, were both of Public Enemy still alive in 2000? Yes. One of them dies shortly after ECW closes or around the time, doesn't doesn't it? Doesn't Rocco rock?
1: Yeah. I think, I can't remember which one died first, but one of them died not too long after ECW closed and then another one died like three or four years later, I think. Yeah, it's two years later because
0: the second one passes away in... 2002 uh,
1: 2003. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, and that was pretty much the end of them. Like, they didn't even go back to ECW for another run. Yeah, that's kind of sad, considering how
0: big they were.
1: I remember them having a half-decent run in WCW in 97-98 as well. So, like, yeah, they just... This one company, they made a bit of a mistake at and they never recovered yeah um so going back to the match sorry um
0: the Acolytes here actually get the win over the Dudley boys in around seven minutes
1: yeah this is a um hoss fight if I've ever seen one quite a few potatoes thrown in here as previously mentioned bit of a Um,
0: a bangers and mash
1: yes definitely definitely um We got full-on stuttering tie-dye Bubba Ray Dudley here as well. Yeah, that's a bit of a throwback. Yeah, like, I do remember, like, stuttering Bubba, but you sometimes forget that, yeah, that's how they came into the WWF. You sort of associate their WWF run with, like, big bug-eyed Bubba Ray putting women through tables and wearing camo women through
0: tables dixie
1: oh my god forgot about that
0: everything connects back to tna
1: it does it does at least two of the people in this match had a run in tna (laughs) um where is
0: old bubba nowadays has he retired or is he
1: just not with one of the major companies I'm not too sure if he's still with ROH or not. I think he got released. Um, He does a thing with Sirius XM. uh, His radio show still, yeah. Yeah, with like Mark Henry and some other dude. I forgot the name of it. I've never really listened to it. But he talks wrestling all the time. Um, Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up somewhere as like an agent or something like that.
0: Yeah, well, he's definitely got a good mind for the business. Um, Following that was a WWF World Women's Championship hardcore match that saw Ivory defeating
1: Luna. Two sensational women's wrestlers well before their time reduced to a trashy three-minute match. (laughs)
0: Yeah, imagine if this had just been Luna for versus Ivory in the ring
1: for five minutes.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could have said it needed more time, but at least it would have just been able to show what they had.
1: Yeah, because we know both of these women can go, and they can go hard. But, like, man, if this match took place today, like Ivory versus Luna in their prime in current-day wrestling, like, it would be... Something people would never stop talking about, you know?
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. There's not really much more to add on to the match, sadly, is there?
1: No, you get um your mate Tori getting involved. Oh, she Associate was your of mate. DX. <laughs> yeah.
0: Unofficial member.
1: Yes. See, I, I consider her a member. She wore green and black. True, true.
0: Um, Following that, a WWF World Tag Team Championship match, the New Age Outlaws, that's Badass Billy Gunn, aka Mr. Ass, and the Road Dog Jesse James, the champions versus Christian and Edge. Alex, is this
1: not around the time of the brood? Uh, The brood had broken up A few months before this. I think this is around the time of the new bird.
0: (laughs) Although, yeah, the Hardys had a weird run of um, strange managers, but I guess it's all come full circle with Matt Hardy doing that now. Well, um...
1: When they started,
0: Michael P.S. Hayes.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they had, <laughs> the Hardys had Michael P.S. Hayes, then they had Gangrel. Then they won the rights to have... <laughs> Terry Runnels. Yes. Which, yes, we are one pay-per-view away from the first ever tag team ladder match of the new Brew, Jeff and Matt Hardy versus Edge and Christian. For the managerial services of Terry Runnels in the Terry Invitational Tournament. Doesn't take a genius to figure that one out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder who came up with the name. Maybe uh, Russo. But um, this match,
1: what do you think? Um, I'll just qu- I was hoping you were going to bring the following up. We are a few months away, a few months after... A certain member of this batch, one King of the Ring, had a big match against The Rock at SummerSlam, had a blood feud against Road Dog, and here we are, that main event push for Billy Gunn failed, and we're straight back to the New Age Outlaws.
0: <laughs> Wasn't it the one Billy Gunn?
1: No, that comes later in, like, 2001. Two thousand and the one. Yeah, so... Um... Billy Gunn, the man of many gimmicks. Uh,
0: what was he? The smoking Guns, uh, DX, New Age Outlaws, the one oh, who you, was Gunn, You, for- you forgot a pivotal...
1: You forgot a pivotal one between the New Age Outlaws and the Smoking Guns. Oh, Rockabilly, hu- managed by the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Billy and Chuck. Oh, gosh. And that's not even getting into TNA where it was like the stylist for the beautiful people. (laughs) The, uh, the voodoo kin mafia. Yeah. Um... Billy Gunn, So good. Yet. So bad. (laughs) Like he's, he's got so much potential. He's got the look, he's got the in ring ability, but every time they give him a chance, he just falls on his ass, man. Bilp, Bilp Yeah, he, he he tries.
0: He's yeah. got Austin now to help.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got. There's another one too, isn't there? There was like that one week where they just kept popping up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and of <laughs> yeah, course there's... he's got
0: his cousin over in Japan, and we had that great match with in Long Beach at the of Pyramid.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tanahashi I'll... Gun. Yeah, I was gonna say Hiroshi Gun. Yeah. The gun in a hundred.
0: Ah <laughs> uh, well, could always ring up old Kojima and see if Kojima Gun wants to reform. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> a good good match. Um, sort of setting up uh where Edge and Christian are going in the future, coming into a a big year for them.
1: Yeah, like. They are literally a few weeks away from their, com- their careers completely changing forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's sort of shocking to see that. Um, good match, Outlaws retain here. Right decision as the feud going forward doesn't need the belts right away, I feel. No,
1: no. Especially like Ed and Christian end up getting their first tag title run like winning the tag titles for the first time at Mania. Yeah. Like, like, that's perfect.
0: From there, we're not even at the co-main event yet. We're at the co-co-main event.
1: This is what we've been waiting for, humans.
0: I remembered this, and I actually re-watched it again this morning. That's why we're a little bit late. The WWF Hardcore Championship Kennel from Hell match. It is Al Snow, the champion versus the big boss man. Now, Alex, do you want to explain the hype video before this as to why these two men are feuding? Because they were friends at one point.
1: Yes. Uh, they were feuding. They're feuding because basically the big boss man was hardcore champion. Al Snow beat him for the title. And then big boss man, like, you know, extends an olive branch, invites Al Snow around for dinner. You like that steak? I like—I like to call that Pepper Steak. His dog's name was Pepper. He fed Al Snow his dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I still remember this as a kid. Yeah, so do I. Like, the worst bit was, like, as a kid, because you're so impressionable. I remember watching the segment where Al Snow's eating his dog.
0: In that <laughs> cheap hotel room.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's such a grimy hotel room too. And it it just looks like shredded chicken on a plate. So, like, every time my mum would, like, you know... Serve up some like barbecue chicken and just like shred up the chicken breast for me or something like that and chuck that on a plate. I'd just stare at it and I'd be like, Dog, <laughs> where's my dog? Is he here? Oh, feel he's here.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, a bit, bit impressionable, but
1: yeah, <laughs> this,
0: this match, though, so it is a cage within a cell, but there are Rottweilers roaming in between the cage and the cell and you need to escape both to win. <laughs> I think. Yeah, which
1: which would have been a great idea if the rot wheelers were actually somewhat imposing and not just peeing and pooing all over the ringside area.
0: <laughs> but at the start El Snow's in the cage, like it's the old eighties blue cage. So there's a bit of a gap between the the roof of the cage and the roof of the cell. And Boss coincidentally,
1: man... this is the last time we see that cage. Oh, sad.
0: <laughs> but um, Boss Man is on the outside. I'm like, you idiot! Why don't you just walk out the door and you've won? The Rottweilers aren't even here yet. <laughs> it's like a good two minutes. I'm like, I think the refs rung the bell and the Rottweilers in a go. Yeah, he must have rung the bell. What why didn't he just leave and go, you know what? You stay there, I'm leaving. I'm champion now.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this this match is proof that you in uh entertainment there's like that rule, you don't work with children and you don't work with animals because you can't control what they're gonna do. Yeah and these dogs like were just too adorable to make this gimmick work. To be honest, I they, was like, "Oh, cute doggies!"
0: They go on the ringside air and they spent their time peeing and pooping and humping and just looking yeah, at they you. were
1: humping. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, I will say this is like I'm going to use the underrated phrase again. This era of the Big Boss Band is so underrated. I'm not saying this match was good, because it wasn't. But, yeah. like, this is where the big boss band is the most despicable piece of crap heel in the entire company, and it's so entertaining to go back and watch. We're bit, about two months away from the big boss band gate crashing the big show's dad's funeral. Uh, <laughs> to and- clarify...
0: Big Show's dad actually legit died
1: yeah it had he had already died like a year or two before this, I believe, yeah, but um,
0: it was so, a mock funeral,
1: yes, and he gate crashed in the Blues brothers bloody police car with the speaker on the roof and everything, and he chains big shows. "Quote unquote," dad's casket to his police car and drags it out of the funeral, whilst Big Show runs and jumps on top of the casket. <laughs> Just the most ridiculous thing. And then, like, then there was like this whole thing where he went to like Big Show's mum's house and like, like broke into her house and started yelling at her, like, "Your son is a big." Pussy, <laughs> and like, tell the world your son's a coward. He's a big crybaby. He's always like, "Where my daddy? My daddy?" <laughs> this oh, is
0: that's just... right. Didn't he have some promo talking about how, like, his dad was such a good role model, and then he say like the big shows dad's dead. Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened because now I remember it like that. My daddy. Yeah, my
1: daddy, my daddy. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to just give me a minute. I'm going to have to Google search something. Oh, man. With deep, with deepest regrets and tears that are soaked, I'm sorry to hear that your dad finally croaked. He lived a full life on his own terms. Soon he'll be buried and eaten by worms. But if I could have a son as stupid as you, I'd have wished for cancer. (laughs) So I would die too. So be brave and be strong. Get your life on track. Because that old bastard's dead and he ain't never coming back. (laughs) Yeah, it was a different
0: time, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like this is like... Big Boss Man is, like, I don't know why not enough people are talking about this version of the Big Boss Man's character in the same veins that they talk about, like, Scott Steiner being off the rails. <laughs> like, there's a very similar appeal to to those sort of characters. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, Big Boss Man, 1999, untouchable in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree as well. Great character work for a uh, dastardly heel. But this match sucked, and it lives up oh, to yeah. being one of the worst matches, one of the worst gimmick matches, at least, of all time, because the whole premise is you go in between the cages, these dogs are going to try to attack you, and they didn't. <laughs> so it was a very uh, lacklustre match of our snow sort of, Waddling his way out
1: through the hell door to uh, win. And, and like this angle was so over, but this match killed it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can um, see
1: why they've never tried it again. No, exactly. And just for your information, this match is available to be selected in the twist category for Fruity's Ultimate Game Show, so who knows, it might show up again. <laughs>
0: Oh no. <laughs> uh, well. From there we go to the co main event, which I don't know why it was or why I was given this much time, but maybe the kennel from hell was supposed to go longer and they said cut this short. <laughs> Get yeah. it out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it is the it is a match between X Pac versus Chris Jericho who had Curtis Hughes in his corner.
1: Curtis Huge, as Chris Jericho called him at the time, Mister Huge. Um, Is this supposed to be a spoof on um,
0: oh, what's his name? Is it Fest? Fest? No, it's not Festus. It's um, oh, Jericho personal security. Oh, Ralphus. Ralphus, that's it. Is it supposed to be like a spoof on that, or
1: I think it's like mildly inspired by it. I would say. Um, Yeah, so this is a short-lived run that Mr. Hughes had. So originally, this was meant to be Ken Shamrock versus Chris Jericho, but Ken Shamrock quit the company like a week before this. Ken Shamrock. And he would never be back. (laughs) Ever? Ever.
0: Did he burn a bridge there
1: and that's why he quit? i don't I just think he wanted to have another red hot crack at m m a and he did it. He went back into m m a for a really long time, like he was still doing fights a couple of years ago,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true too, but um, I was unsure if um he like quit only a few weeks before this proposed match, if something could happen there or
1: well, according to like you know the Pritchard podcast and stuff like that. Like they wanted to push Ken Shamrock to the moon, but then he quit. (laughs) But I also don't see how that timeline works out because yeah, you got stone cold out at this time. So maybe you would want to bring in Ken Shamrock as a main event baby face, but you got the rock. So I don't think you need it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this was meant to be Chris Jericho versus Ken Shamrock, and it ends up being X-Pac versus Chris Jericho, which is probably a much better match for Chris Jericho's style. Yeah, that's true. Um, Chris Jericho, like, just came into the company too, like a couple of months before this, and he's already just losing all the time, by the way. <laughs> This is the forgotten period that that they never seem to talk about in the WWE. They always talk about Chris Jericho debut. then he won the Intercontinental title, and then then he was a stalwart of the Attitude Era, and then he won the Undisputed title. No, he debuted, uh, lost a heap of matches for months, kept losing to China finally stole the Intercontinental title basically and it wasn't until like the mid 2000 the middle of the year 2000 that Chris Jericho fully got over
0: yeah yeah it's it's he sort of had a stop start uh when he first came in but WWE's revisionist history sort of um took care of that
1: Yeah, he debuted in a segment with The Rock and he was made.
0: Apparently. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I didn't get much from this match watching it back. I mean, it was fun and all, but X-Pac winning by DQ and it going 13 minutes, I thought, now that you've explained that, it does sound like this was sort of a thrown-together last-minute match. I thought this might have been thrown-together sort of because uh, the uh, how they cut it, uh kennel from how they cut time from.
1: Mm. Like uh, Shamrock versus Jericho was actually quite a featured feud on television at the time. And it was just like, they were doing the whole gimmick where like, Jericho was like avoiding matches with Shamrock. I'm injured for this match. Oh no, I can't turn up. And then finally... Shamrock gets Jericho in a steel cage match. I think it was on Raw. And someone sneaks into the ring all masked up. And it was Curtis Hughes. And he beat the crap out of Shamrock while Jericho escaped the cage. So so they started basically redoing the Jericho versus Goldberg feud from WCW. Where Jericho was like 3-0, 4-0 against Ken Shamrock. And Chris Jericho started claiming that he was the world's most dangerous man. So yeah. you would have assumed this would have been the blow-off to that and Shamrock would have just murdered Chris Jericho. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh uh, well. Um, it, it was a fun sort of nothing match for the Attitude Era, but sort of not one you'd ever recommend going back and looking at. Um, It is time for the main event a WWF World Heavyweight Championship six-pack challenge match for the vacant championship. Alex, do you remember who the champion was before it was vacated?
1: I do, I do. So who Uh, was it?
0: Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So who did he win it from and why did he vacate it?
1: Uh, He beat Triple H for the WWF title. On an episode of SmackDown. This is when
0: SmackDown just started. Yeah. It's like in its first or second year.
1: Yeah. It's in its first year here. It's like within the first few months here of SmackDown, I believe. Um, Yeah, Vince won it. And then the following Raw, he said he came out with the title. And it's like, I'm going to be the owner. I can't be. The champion and he vacated it.
0: Fair enough then.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was like that weird point in time in ninety nine where Vince was the babyface. that I people kind kind of forget about. Babyface Vince in nineteen ninety nine. Austin's like kind of gone at this point. Um Yeah, cause where about one month, uh, two or three months away from Austin getting ran over by a car. Who could it be? <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Uh, Austin, at this point, already was injured, hence why he wasn't in the match. Yeah. He's um, on
0: commentary throughout this match, though.
1: Yes. And, um, yeah, by the end of this year, like, is when... You know, babyface Vince goes up against Triple H at Armageddon and his uh, daddy's little princess turns on daddy and the McMahon-Helmsley era begins. Oh,
0: so they haven't had the uh, wedding yet.
1: No, uh, we're not that long from that either. Yeah, we're pretty close to the infamous Test and Stephanie wedding.
0: Are we past the point of Ministry of Darkness?
1: Yeah, I think we yes. are, aren't we? Yeah, we
0: are. Yeah. Where Stephanie gets sacrificed and it's revealed to be Vince all along, even though he cried when the teddy bear was burnt.
1: Yep. And, yeah, so we're after, like, Vince revealing himself to be the higher power, and now somehow Vince is the baby face. <laughs> <laughs> Russo, you've done it again. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, man. Um, but, yeah. This match Triple H versus Kane versus Mankind versus the Big Show versus The Rock versus
1: the British Bulldog. The British Bulldog in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> he's a working man now. Yes.
0: He doesn't have his, um, oh, no, I don't think he did have his full braids in this match.
1: No, no, he's just got like a short crew cut here. He's got like. Little boots on and like a Pair of jeans tucked into his boots Yeah, He just He looks like Zandig <laughs>
0: He like, looks like who?
1: Jesus!
0: Oh, CCW Zandig
1: Yeah, he looks Jesus! like Like He's wearing the exact outfit Zandig Always wrestled in Like short little boots tucked, Jeans tucked into his boots Tape fists Oily as hell.
0: Nobody does this to the Bulldog. Nobody does this to the British Bulldog.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, like... (laughs) There's a weird alternative reality. Yes. Poor old Davey boy here, like, fantastic wrestler in his own right. Not so much in 1999. His body had started to fail him at this point, and, you know, there's other... Documented stuff about him around this time period. Yeah, the other Bulldog's already retired Um, dynamite kid, Tom Billington, isn't he? Yes, he's uh, long gone at this point, I think. And yeah, like, you know, in 1996, 1995, British Bulldog in a WWF title match in the main event doesn't seem weird. In 1999, it just stands out like a sore thumb, unfortunately. Yeah, it does. And by by Survivor Series this year, the British Bulldog is in a Survivor Series elimination match teaming with the Main Street Posse. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. (laughs) So that tells you where his trajectory is going.
0: (laughs) Wow. Was it
1: Joey Abs and Pete Gass? And Rodney, yeah.
0: Uh, at least I tried um, yeah. you have much to add on this match because I felt it was a good match for the time but not one I'd recommend to go back and check
1: no no this was just all about like the post the post match stuff with Austin um, just yeah the plunder it was very attitude error yeah but, um,
0: yeah, so it ends up with uh, Triple H getting the win here and there's post-match with Austin. <laughs> Do you want to uh, quickly note down the post-match
1: here? Oh, it's just basically Austin coming in and stunning Triple H. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the same old business. Setting up for next month, I believe, No Mercy, Triple H versus Austin. No DQ match. Hell of a match. I think i chose the wrong pay-per-view out of the two that I remembered fondly from my childhood. Cuz oh. we could we could have watched the first ever tag team ladder match in a banger of a Triple H versus Austin match. But instead we watched Kennel, Kennel in Hell and whatever else happened on the show that we just reviewed that's fairly forgettable in hindsight. <laughs>
0: The uh, women's hardcore match, the European (laughs) match.
1: Yeah, we could have seen China win the Intercontinental title, not have a dusty finish, if you will. Yeah. Although the crowd did buy it. Oh, man, I remember watching that as a kid buying it.
0: Yeah. It's, It's weird because, like, I don't remember a lot of these, and then I start playing, and I'm like,
1: oh, yeah, I remember this. Like, I remember, like... As soon as I'd watched this, like, memories start flooding back. Like, like just sitting on the couch at home, I'd fake to a sickie from school so I could watch the pay-per-view live. <laughs> I just remember it all, man. Ah, oh, well. I suppose you can do that.
0: Education's not important. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, how many beers do you give this?
1: I will give it... A solid three just because I loved the crowd. I loved seeing all the characters. The in ring was what it was, but the attitude era is not really known for that. I loved seeing there was a nostalgia factor, but I can't give it more than a three either.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Three for myself. It's, um, it's a fun rewatch, but
1: yeah, we're rating, um, we're rating out of a six-pack for a pay-per-view that's main evented by a six-pack challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah, and five of those six would go on to be future world champions.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, we're like two months away from the big show winning the title.
0: Oh, well, well.
1: Yeah. It's a bit more Austin than mine, but yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was very Austin. Um, yeah, so that was Unforgiven 1999. Hell, hell of a show. Fun choice. Yeah, I just, I, like I said, I loved seeing all those characters again. It was good to see D'Lo in his prime. It was good to see The Lethal Weapon again. Man, I love Steve Blackman. Yeah, it was it was good to see the hype video about the Al Snow Big Boss Man feud, <laughs> serving him dinner in the grungy hotel. Mm. I still remember that. I still remember that to this yeah, day. That's one of those things you can't forget. <laughs> like if you Poor saw Pepper. it as a kid, yeah, Pepper was adorable too. Yeah, like the Al Snow gimmick was just incredible back then. Loved it. Oh, man. Um,
0: I suppose anything else left to add or should you let the good humans know where they can
1: find you? Yeah, they can find me at Fruity's Alex on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at WrestleOzStyle with an AUS on Instagram and Twitter. Search us up on Facebook, wrestling WrestlingOzStyle and you can find Chris at,
0: at I am Chris Bunder as well. You can go back and listen to the entire wrestling WrestlingOzStyle archive for free on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts if you use the RSS feed found in our links. Nothing left to say, but G'day and we'll speak to you next time.
1: Where my daddy, my daddy.